Talk to my friend Drew Lennon. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I look this guy for wisdom. to unpack today about this Virginia election, and there is so much news, so much relevant information that pertains specifically to that election race, scandals that have broken, uh, events that have taken place that really define, define for me, this Democrat party, everything you need to know about their fears, their corruption, their hypocrisy, it's all there in Virginia. So I want to spend a lot of time on that today, and there are a lot of things to hit. I've got a stack here. I, this is my this is my longest, largest stack of stuff about, especially one topic that I, I've ever had, and this is the, I don't know, 46th episode of this podcast. That's, that's how rich the information coming out is about understanding this enemy, the Democrat Party, and what they're all about. So bear with me. We're going to get through this, but I want to start with this. Mark Elias. Do you remember that name, Mark Elias? So he was a lawyer with the uh, Perkins Coy law firm. Now, Perkins Coy was the law firm uh, that was used by Hillary Clinton and the Democrat National Committee that then hired Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele to make the, uh, well, to invent the Russia hoax. You know, the Steele dossier. That was Perkins Coy. And so Mark Elias worked for that law firm. But Mark Elias, by the way, what, what, what you need to know about him, he is an election lawyer. He's a voting rights lawyer. And so Terry McAuliffe, uh, he's, he's fallen behind in the polls. He's fallen behind in the polls and so desperate is he to win while well, he staged, he and his campaign staffers, that phony tiki torch wielding uh, white supremacist uh, support group for Glenn Youngkin. I- I'm going to circle back here. I w- don't believe, look, I'm not Jin Saki. I actually do circle back because I possess, I possess all the answers in my own brain. So I will circle back to Mark Elias. This is all connected. But I'm sure you've heard about this. If you didn't, I'll fill you in. And if you heard it, you haven't heard it like you've, you're going to hear it right now from me in my unique way of explaining things. So, Glenn Youngkin stops in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. He does a campaign stop there. And five tiki torch-wielding, alleged white nationalists, white supremacists, are standing. It's pouring rain. They're drenched. They're standing there looking miserable in the rain. They've all got, you know, some sort of khaki pants on, some button-down shirt soaked through, and a baseball cap and sunglasses. Holding torches. Now, the reason the torches, well, this was a dead giveaway anyway for what the Democrats were up to because the tiki torches were supposed to remind Americans about what actually happened uh, in Virginia in 2017. That's, um, that was in Charlottesville. It was a rally. They, remember, they were there was a protest about the Robert E. Lee statue there. So you had people showing up that were supporting the removal of of the Robert E. Lee statue, and you had people there who were opposing the removal of it. But in this group of many very fine people, we're going to get to that too, very fine people, there were uh, uh, white supremacists, white nationalists there holding tiki torches. And there were also Antifa. And the, 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 the media has been so dishonest always, we know this, but when they covered that event, of course, they labeled the tiki torchers you know, and violence did erupt at this rally. No debating that. But but after the event took place, they labeled, they said, oh, look, it's, it's white nationalists versus the, the counter opposition or whatever they call them. But they did not call them Antifa, and that's who was there. I mean, what do you think is going to happen if you put... Antifa doesn't need white nationalists or any opposition at all to be violent. They do it all on their own. We saw this in Portland, throughout the country. 
Everywhere Antifa goes, violence ensues. And so it was no wonder that there would be a violent outbreak. And so when, when Donald Trump was interviewed and asked about Charlottesville, that's where this very fine people hoax came about, right? That's when uh, the media claimed that Donald Trump was defending the white nationalists, defending violence. He was calling them very fine people, but that's not what he said. He condemned anyone who was involved in the violence and was actually extending an olive branch in an attempt to unify Americans and give credence to those who didn't want the statue and those who wanted the statue, saying that both both sides had very fine people. So he didn't smear the left in that case. He didn't smear the right. He did what, well, what you'd think the left would expect from a president, right? Somebody who's going to be a great uniter, unifier. So he didn't, you know, take a pot shot, uh, uh, you know, at the left and Antifa and, and the, uh, well, he didn't condemn Americans overall. He didn't condemn people who disagreed with him. He said, there's very fine people at this rally on both sides. But they took that out of context, ran with it. They used it in the election with Joe Biden uh, back in 2020. Joe Biden stated it. Everyone stated it constantly, like hands up, don't shoot. It never happened, but they wanted to use that to damage and paint Donald Trump as a racist. So so you've got these five people that show up at the Glenn Youngkin rally saying that they're supporting Glenn Youngkin. And we knew it was a setup. I don't even think the American people even remember the Tiki Torch thing. I think that was lost on them. I think the media had to put this together for the American people and even explain why they had the tiki torches to remind people of Charlottesville. Because, look, the American citizen didn't really know what actually took place at Charlottesville, right? They hijacked that narrative, and the only thing anyone knew about Charlottesville or that Robert E. Lee event, I mean, all they knew was very fine people. So the consensus of information that people knew about and accepted from the media was, oh, well, Donald Trump's a racist. He said white supremacists are very fine people. People, I guarantee you, the majority of Americans could not have told you where it came from. They couldn't have told you what the context was uh, of that situation. They couldn't have even told you what ha- that it took place in Charlottesville, most likely. All they knew is that Donald Trump, at some point, well... There was some white nationalists that committed some horrific violent acts and protested. And Donald Trump revealed himself as a white supremacist and said, those are very fine people, those white supremacists. And so, anyway, these people show up with the tiki torches. And, and, and of course, we all knew this is such a setup. I, I mean, by the way, I, just, just a word of advice. You know, if, if you're going to stage a white supremacist rally, you probably shouldn't pay a black person to be there. As a white supremacist, very, very strange, don't you think? As if the the makeup of these people who... It's amazing. As much time as the Democrat Party spends trying to spin these lies and label Republicans and conservatives white supremacists or this and that, they don't even understand how they dress, what they look like. They don't understand any of it. I mean, these people wearing khaki pants, button-down shirts, hats, and sunglasses. I, I don't know. I mean, last time I checked, it's been a while. But if I was to imagine in my mind a white supremacist, that's not how I would put them. So anyway, they're trying to recreate this scene to stir up a bunch of emotion because uh, of the imagery, right? The imagery of the tiki, tiki torch wielding uh, white supremacist in Charlottesville at that rally in 2017. Uh, it's funny, too. You know, at that rally, all the tiki torches were lit. They had their fire. The flames were going. I'm sure that would have been the intention here as well, but they, they couldn't do it because it was pouring down rain. And so, anyway, they're trying to connect the dots here, and that's another thing. Uh, the American people wouldn't have wouldn't have even understood what they were doing, but there, there's such, isn't it amazing, too, that there's such a uh, such an abundance of white supremacy in this country that they had to go and bring and dress up five Democrats to pretend to be white supremacists? I mean, where are all the white supremacists? We're told it's the greatest you know, threat to our nation in American history, white nationalism. But they have to go, you'd think they could just go and find them anywhere, get them to come over, organize it like the FBI does, you know? Hey, uh, we, you know, they, they, they show up, right, in these groups and they say, hey, uh, uh, we, we really are, we're into white nationalism. Uh, you know what we should do? We should go and kidnap uh, 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 Whitmer. 
Michigan Governor Whitmer. Whitmer, isn't that a good idea? Uh, I don't know. We haven't thought about. It. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good. Idea. I'm not with the FBI though. I'm not with the FBI. Okay, I'm just. I'm like you. I hate Whitmer. I want to kidnap her. I think it's a good idea. Should we do it? I don't know. No, no, no. We're going to kidnap Governor Whitmer. Okay, 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 okay. And then they work for the FBI. So anyway, they couldn't even find a group like that to infiltrate uh, and bring in to do it. They had to bring in uh, people who, you know who the people were, by the way? We, we, we found them because of social media. It's not that difficult to do anymore. And I'm going to get to Mark Elias in a second, all right? But I just want to hit what what... what the hilarity of this situation. So one of the Democrats, Tiki Torch uh, wielding Democrats, his name was Camden Layton. So Layton's Twitter account, you can you could go on there before it went private. And uh, his bio includes the Virginia Democrats profile tag. So he's a, a proud Virginia Democrat. And he's got a, a quotation, vote for Dems on November 2nd. In his profile name. So another of these these alleged white supremacists that were Democrats, actually, uh, was Colleen Walkenfeld. So her Twitter profile included the Virginia Democrats tag and her bio tag, President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, and stuck a claim that she helped flip Arizona blue. That's another one. And then, you know, the third one was a black guy, uh, African-American, and um, he was identified as Clayton uh, Bigsby. I believe. But anyway, he was a good old uh, Virginia Democrat as well. And then uh, and then immediately after this took place, of course, members of Terry McAuliffe's campaign reposted this image of these fake white supremacists and put it out there. And Eric Swalwell and all these stupid Democrats ran with it and spread this false misinformation, which I thought that Twitter would give you a life ban if you behaved in such a way. So anyway, they tweet this out, get it out there. Every one of us is saying, uh, yeah, this is another false flag operation. We've seen this before. And then what happened? There was immense blowback. Everyone was saying, what? Terry McAuliffe's insane. He's desperate. I mean, it looks like what it looks like. You have a desperate person who will, will sink to any depths of depravity and insanity to try and harm his political opponent. And so then what happened? The Lincoln Project stepped in. The Lincoln Project. Uh, these are not Republicans. I'm so tired of this. Uh, I mean, they're Republicans like, uh, yeah, I'm an I'm a anti-Biden Democrat, okay? But anyway, they took, they took credit for it. And, and I'm telling you, I, was, I immediately said, I didn't buy it for a second. The Lincoln Project did not, they're not behind it. This was Terry McAuliffe's campaign, and now he's done himself in more damage to himself, trying to inflict damage on his political opponent. And so all the Lincoln Project is doing, they hate Trump anyway. Uh, they, they, can, they can make the registration Republican all day, but when they're voting for Joe Biden and Democrats, it doesn't matter what their registration or what they claim to be is. They're radical lunatics on the left as well. And so they step in and take credit. And uh, here, here's kind of some of the statement they released after uh, uh, McAuliffe was, was taking a hit. Uh, Glenn Youngkin has said, President Trump represents so much of why I am running. Youngkin proves it every day by trying to divide Virginians using racial code words like critical race theory and supporting a ban on teaching the works of America's only black Nobel laureate. The Lincoln Project has run advertisements highlighting the hate unleashed in Charlottesville, as well as Glenn Youngkin's continued failure to denounce Donald Trump's very fine people on both sides. So anyway, they're telling you, we're trying to correlate this instance for people. We're trying to gin up hatred uh, towards Donald Trump and, you know, through proxy uh, to 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 Youngkin here. And, uh, you know, we're trying to remind people the very fine people on both sides think so they're, they're spinning this lie, taking credit for it. And um, they weren't a part of this. I'm telling you right now, they weren't a part of this. Uh, and even if they were, they were in collusion. They were working with the McAuliffe campaign. This didn't just happen. Lincoln Project has nothing to lose. Uh, they're a bunch of scumbag losers anyway who aren't running for election. So it doesn't matter. They've got their billionaire Democrat donors anyway giving them money. So they just step in and take the hit to shield, to shield Terry McAuliffe from this hit. That's what this was all about. But there's another reason this took place when it did. Yes, there's a Charlottesville angle. Yes, there's a location trying to gin up memories of that event in 2017 that no one can remember except for the very fine people quotation that was a lie. But also the civil trial for those people that were involved in the violent protest that were white nationalists 
at that event in 2017 just began. So it's all related. It's all related. But anyway, back to Mark Elias, okay? Mark Elias. So he's the election lawyer. He represented the Democrat challenges to state rules, right, throughout the 2020 election. He actually, Mark Elias, by the way, this is, how, this is why I despise the Democrat, Democrats and the Democrat Party. Uh, so Mark Elias, he, he alleged in a court filing back in 2020 because there was a close race in New York, a congressional race in which a Republican was defeating a, did defeat a Democrat. And so he filed a lawsuit, a court filing, uh, that suggested that the voting machines were faulty. Voting machines were faulty. I thought that that, I thought that you couldn't do that. And also I thought there was no cheating. Have we not heard time and time again from Democrats? There's not enough cheating. There might be a little cheat, a little bit of cheating, but there's never enough to actually impact the election results. That's what's been so frustrating to me about the whole 2020 process. We've had abundant evidence of cheating and we were just told to shut up. We were told to shut up. But here you had Mark Elias, even in 2020, doing the same thing. Nobody attacked him. But he's been employed. Employed by the McAuliffe campaign uh, to challenge the election results. Ahead of McAuliffe's seemingly inevitable defeat at this point. Where is the outrage from the media? I mean, this, this is a threat to our democracy, is it not? How can you challenge the results of an election? And also, it's funny that this happened. I mean, what do they get? It, the Democrats are the only ones who cheat. What, what do they have to challenge? They're the ones who cheat. But they bring in Mark Elias to challenge it, to try and, try and fix this election again. This is what they do. And this is why 2020 has always been so concerning to me. Of course, they were willing to cheat. Of course, they did cheat. I've got stories on that a little bit later, too, about... Uh, uh, a, a, a nursing home, a series of nursing homes in which Democrat operatives came in there and voted Democrat for these elderly individuals who didn't have their wits about them. Many had had suffered memory loss. They weren't capable of voting is the point, but somehow they cast their ballots for Joe Biden. But anyway, so, so Mark Elias, now remember, Mark Elias is a scumbag, a Democrat operative. So he worked for the Perkins Coy Law Firm. That's what I was talking about. All right. And he recently left after John Durham's report into the origins of this Russia hoax. Well, they uh, they prosecuted an individual at Perkins Coy, Michael Sussman. This is back in September. The New York Times reported that the special counsel, John Durham, well, he he sought a grand jury indictment against Michael Sussman. Of what? The law firm Perkins Coy for making a false statement to the FBI. And then amidst all this, what happens? Mark Elias leaves the firm, starts a new firm, and takes a bunch of people with him. So, you know, they're being investigated. They're under the watchful eye of John Durham. Now, whether this, look, this isn't really going to go anywhere. I mean, Sussman has been indicted. Okay, great. Uh, But, I mean, the damage has been done in terms of the Russia collusion hoax. That's in the past. It's already taken place. But the point is, I mean, there is a a stench at Perkins Coy. And look, even if even if uh, John Durham's investigation isn't going to ultimately target and get some indictment against against Mark Elias, Perkins Coy has been stained. The reputation has been been uh, been damaged. Because they're not known as Perkins Coy to most Americans. They're known as the Clinton Law Firm. Because they're the law firm that was employed by Clinton and the Democrat National Committee. And uh, and the reputation's damaged. So he's going off to start his own uh, uh, new firm uh, to continue to do the same thing. That's all this is. He's just moving off from Perkins Coy. They'll call, call it something else. And then continue uh, their march to destroy democracy. And to attack election integrity. I mean, I, 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 I just, I am so tired of having to, 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 to talk about this kind of subject. I mean, I, I, look, I, I am so frustrated with Democrat voters 
specifically. I mean, the hypocrisy, the level of ignorance on the left, it is overwhelming. It's debilitating. It's paralyzing sometimes. We're told that as Republicans, we cannot challenge any election results. Elections are fair and square. If anything, Republicans are trying to destroy election integrity by requesting voter IDs. We're told that, you know, there's there's no such thing as really consequential foul play in our election system. It's safe to begin with. And then you have Democrats who challenge the election results. I mean, when Donald Trump mounted a campaign and hired lawyers to investigate the election fraud that took place in 2020, it was the end of the world. It was the end of the world. And when these 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 leftist courts wouldn't even take up the cases or even hear them, we were told that was evidence that, well, this was all just trumped up. It's all a conspiracy theory. And yet you have the Democrat Party in Virginia hiring an election lawyer who challenged and questioned the integrity of the the electronic voting system in New York in 2020. You have him being hired to challenge an election that hasn't even taken place, a result that hasn't even happened, which tells you that if Terry McAuliffe loses, they're not going to accept the election result. They're not going to accept it. And this is why the Republican Party frustrates me so much because this is how the Democrats operate. They'll do anything to win. But when it comes to Republicans, you know, we, not me and you, but the Republican Party at large and many Republicans, citizens throughout this country, well, they back down. They get scared. They won't challenge anything. They give in to the threats and fears, you know, leveled at them, the accusations by the Democrat Party. 2020. I mean, how quickly? I mean, they folded like cheap lawn chairs right away. We had very real evidence of voter fraud. And the Republicans just sat there and said, oh, yeah, yeah, we can't challenge these election results. Joe Biden's already the president. Joe Biden's the president. It doesn't matter that we have all these Americans who have, 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 have sworn affidavits under penalty of perjury saying that they've seen Democrats... Uh, cheating? No, 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 no. We, we can't go there. We can't go there because, you know, um, we've got to keep the nation united. Joe Biden's the president. And here you have a Virginia gubernatorial race. Republicans look, you know, it looks like the Republican challenger, Youngkin's going to win. And the Democrats hire an election lawyer, Mark Elias, to come in and challenge the results before the results have even happened. And this is why I have such disdain for the media and for cowardly Republicans. How hard is it just to tell the truth? How hard is it to stand on principle? Well, we know it's very hard because they seem unwilling to do it time and time again. And you know what else I'm tired of doing? I'm tired of having to get behind the microphone. I mean, I love doing this. That's not what I'm trying to say. Don't misunderstand me. But I have to talk about and clarify these hoaxes every time because they just keep putting them out there. And I want to put one to rest, probably not for the last time, But on this show today, I want to play a clip. I want to play a clip of of um, Jake Tapper admitting that the very fine people hoax is in fact a hoax that that never happened. Donald Trump didn't say it. So I'm going to play it for you just to clarify, to to jog your memory, and then we're going to move on. Uh, Of President Trump uh, back in 2017, saying he had said today that he answered the question. Uh, perfectly. Uh, let's take a listen. They showed up in Charlottesville. Excuse me. To protest. Excuse me. They did not And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. Now, elsewhere in those remarks, the president did condemn neo-Nazis and white supremacists. So he's not saying that the neo-Nazis and white supremacists are very fine people, but he is saying people protesting alongside those neo-Nazis and white supremacists are very fine people. Now, you and I know this. We know this is is a hoax, the very fine people hoax. But I just have to play it because here you have Jake Tapper playing the clip, acknowledging 
that Trump was not supporting white supremacists. It's out in the open for everyone to see and hear with their own eyes. And yet, what is still propelled? What is still pushed out there today? The lie. It doesn't matter if it didn't happen. We are living in two worlds, right? There's reality, that which actually happens, that which we experience ourselves, that which we see with our own eyes, hear with our own ears, sense with our own senses. And then there is this fake, fabricated non-reality that the Democrat Party and the media create for their minions, for their minions. I mean, I'll give an example. I just want to come back to the Lincoln Project, who's claiming that they're behind the, the staged fake white supremacists uh, outside the Glenn Youngkin rally. Well, here we go. Here, Let me continue with this, this statement to just show you why I'm so fed up with this, why these people are so insidious and, and, and just sick. I mean, these people have no principles, no morals whatsoever. They are liars and they know they're lying, but they still do it because they don't care, because they're dishonest, because they're power hungry, because they're full of hatred. So the Lincoln Project announcement, it goes on. The Lincoln Project has run advertisements highlighting the hate unleashed in Charlottesville, as well as Glenn Youngkin's continued failure to denounce Donald Trump's very fine people on both sides. Now, let me pause right there. They're saying Glenn Youngkin hasn't denounced Donald Trump's very fine people on both sides remark. There's nothing to denounce. There's nothing to denounce. Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong. He didn't embrace white supremacy. He condemned them. And here they are peddling this false narrative. Oh, Yunkin didn't decry Donald Trump. What? They continue though. We will continue to draw this contrast and broadcast videos on our social media platforms and at Yunkin rallies. Today's demonstration was our way of reminding Virginians what happened in Charlottesville four years ago. The Republican Party's embrace of those values and Glenn Youngkin's failure to condemn it. There was one other thing I wanted to read here to make a point. Um, well, you know what the, what they said in this too. You know they're arguing that Glenn Youngkin is divisive. You know that he's racist because he's denouncing critical race theory and Marxist material in schools in terms of books. And so. While out of one side of their mouth, they're accusing Glenn Youngkin of being divisive and racist, they're actually putting fake white supremacists out there to create the non-reality that Glenn Youngkin is supported by these, these types of individuals. So who is it that's peddling? Who is it that's divisive? Who is it that's racist? And this is the thing about the Democrat Party. I am so tired of them getting away with, the, with these lies, these character assassination, these mis, uh, the mischaracterizing of Republicans and conservatives and our values because they're projectionists. What they accuse us of being is actually, in fact, what they are guilty of. I mean, it's Ralph Northam, who was the one in his yearbook that was wearing a KKK outfit alongside somebody in blackface. It's Hunter Biden who uses the N-word when he text messages with his lawyer, it's Joe Biden who, in the early years when Obama was elected or was coming, it was on the scene, and when he was running for election, he said, "He's the first clean-cut, articulate black man I've ever seen." Wow, wow, that's so. It's actually the Democrats who are racist, and they use black people, they use minorities uh, to get ahead. I, I got to tell you too something while we're on it, just to prove this point. We had, um, so Ibrahim, uh, what's his name? Ibrahim Zindi, I think is his name. He's the guy who's made a fortune writing this critical race crap and peddling that and getting his book out there. And he actually, let's see, I had a, uh, a tweet from him, all right? So he tweeted and then he removed it, of course. He tweeted out, so this is the guy, Ibrahim, Ibram X. Kindi is his name, Kindi. He's the guy who believes that, uh, you know, there is this concerted effort, systemic racism that keeps black people down, keeps minorities down. There's no opportunity for them. They're just squashed out of the system by design. 
You know, white people are born as oppressors and black people are born perpetual victims that can't get by on their own. They can't do anything for themselves. You know, they're too dumb. They're too harmed. They're too much, you know, they're victims. And so he tweets this. More than a third of white students lied about their race on college applications. And about half of these applicants lied about being Native American. More than three-fourths of these students who lied about their race were accepted. Well, what does that tell you? The minority class is a protected class. People are actually claiming to be minorities so that they actually get opportunities in this country. Because if you don't claim that you're a Native American or an African American or something other than a Caucasian white American, well, you get overlooked. Because we don't have a meritocracy. We live in a new system in which people are given opportunities based on their skin color. And if your skin color happens to be white, well, you're not going to have an opportunity in the way, in, you know, uh, you're not going to have opportunity in the name of equality, social justice. Now, Kendi, of course, deleted this tweet. But Democrats, they always accuse, right, Trump supporters, freedom-loving Americans, conservatives, anybody who's not a Democrat of being these, you know, cavemen, these racist bigots who are stupid, ignorant, we're a bunch of mind-numbed robots, we can't think for ourselves, you know, we didn't go to Harvard, we didn't go to Yale, we're uneducated, and yet it's the Democrats, by and large, who are the dumbest citizens in America. You've heard the Let's Go Brandon chant. We've talked about that. We, of course, are very familiar with this. How can you not be familiar with a Let's Go Brandon chant if you live in the United States of America today? If you turn on a college football game, you hear it. You see signs. Everywhere this president go, he's met with Let's Go Brandon. It's all over social media. The number one or number two song in the country is a rapper who made a song called Let's Go Brandon about Joe Biden. So they hear this. It's out there. And yet, do you know what the Washington Post and other liberal left-wing media outlets are writing right now? They're explaining to their readers what Let's Go Brandon is actually about. NPR. This is a tweet, but it goes back to an article they wrote. No one is really cheering on a guy named Brandon, NPR writes. Instead, the phrase is being used in conservative circles in place of a more vulgar message directed at President Biden. NPR believes that their readership is so stupid, or they're at least acknowledging the truth that they are so stupid, so out of touch, so unfamiliar with reality and what's happening around them, that NPR thinks they have to write an article explaining to their audience of libs that when people chant, let's go Brandon, there's actually no one named Brandon. They have to explain to their audience, liberals, that it actually is a placeholder for F Joe Biden. And you know what let's go Biden really represents? It is, it will go down in history. Don't doubt me on this. As a very, very pivotal moment in American history. Do you know why I say this? Part of the reason we're in this mess is that we're called the silent majority. Democrats have gotten away with their extreme seizure of power, their seizure of our institutions, the deep state, taking over our schools, our school boards, our universities, infiltrating the FBI, the IRS, all of it. They've gotten away with it because freedom-loving Americans have fallen prey to this lie that the Democrat Party's cool and people believe it. And so if you come out against them, you're going to be attacked. So they forced us to become silent or they didn't force it, but they, they, they created a situation in which many Americans decided better to keep your head down. But people aren't doing that anymore. This is the playbook of the Democrat Party. They have, they have leaned on this strategy of painting their political opponents for decades 
as like we just talked about, stupid people, ignorant, you know, it's cool to be a Democrat, we're the smartest, we're the elites, you want to be a Democrat because the Democrats are cool, and if you're a Republican, you're just a loser. So, you know, they nominate Barack Obama, the picture of cool. See? Look how cool we are. You got Mitt Romney, that loser over there. Of course, now they have Joe Biden, so... (laughs) But my point is, Let's Go Brandon is representing a change in our culture. It's representing a change in the attitudes of Americans who, for a long time, have refused to fight. And now we're not quiet anymore. We are vocal. And they don't have a monopoly over the information out there anymore. I mean, these television uh, uh, stations, they're going to broadcast... Football games, college football games. And so people yelling, let's go Brandon, it can't be ignored. I mean, let's go Brandon came, it was born from this NASCAR event in which a guy named Brandon won and the people in the audience were yelling F you Biden on national TV. And so this reporter, journalist, whatever, whoever was covering this, covered it up and she said, oh, look, they're shouting, let's go Brandon. And that's where it was a gift. And so Let's Go Brandon now has become the cry of the silent majority. And it is scaring the Democrats because they're losing uh, uh, the, 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 the battle now. They're having to retreat. Look, I'm not saying it's all rainbows and sunshine. We're not out of the woods. But this is a marked shift for American culture right now. People are standing up. I mean, whether it's Loudoun County, these parents speaking out against critical race. I mean, what's happening in Virginia right now, case in point, is what's happening and changing in America. I mean, that is a a blue state. The fact that Youngkin could even get close is an achievement. The fact that he's pulling ahead and it looks like he's likely to win says everything. And that's why that race is so important. Because people... Yeah, some people have their heads in the sand. They'll never see reality. But some people, it's unignorable now. And the movement in in, in Virginia is Democrats and Republicans and independents all coming against, well, what the Biden administration is proposing. They're coming out against the left. And they don't want this let's go Brandon attitude to continue to proliferate. They want to squash it out. And if they lose Virginia, it's a referendum on the Democrat Party as a whole. And so what they want to do is they want to claim victory in Virginia and then say, look, this is permission. Not that they need it, but I'm just using that word to explain. This is permission. This is an endorsement of our policies. They're popular. The American people want critical race theory. They want transgender policies. They want fundamental transformation. They want the the silencing of parents. All of these policies are popular. Look, Virginia proves it. And so they want to use that to get back the momentum going forward because they're losing momentum right now and they're scared. But what else is going on? So that's one story about how NPR and the left, either they think their audience, their, their leftists, the Democrat voters, are stupid or... They're proving the point that they are stupid because they actually do have to explain it. So, I got one more article here that I was going to talk about. This is from the Washington Post. I'm not going to read the article. Just the headline says it all. Opinion. Let's go Brandon is Republicans' vulgar governing agenda. So, see what they're trying to do with Let's Go Brandon? They're trying to... to okay, let's use the example of, of very fine people. They twist it. Uh, they try and make it so that it represents something that doesn't, so that it, in this case, they they don't want people shouting, let's go Brandon. So they want to make, let's go Brandon. They want to paint it with a, a brushstroke of, of representing some vulgarity, something that is unbecoming of the American people, something that we should be so ashamed to say. I mean, it's like Trump's speech. It's white supremacy. Let's go Brandon represents white supremacy, white nationalism, bigotry. That's where they're going with this. Because they want to stop this movement. But what a joke. 
You know, I'm going to put together a montage and play it for you in a minute of all these Democrats throughout the Trump years, and still, who have said absolutely repulsive, repugnant things about Donald Trump. And here they all, all are all of a sudden offended. How can you say this about Joe Biden? This is the president of the United States. This is so vulgar. It represents something that is unbecoming of America. If you say this, you're a domestic terrorist. Let's go brand as the chant of the white supremacists. But we'll settle this in just a second. I'm going to take a short break. One short break. I'm going to come back. And on the other side, we're going to address the Democrats and their claims that let's go Brandon is somehow inappropriate. And we're going to compare it to things that they have said about Donald Trump. This is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. And I say it with a passion as I pull off in the Aston. Don't nobody like his ass, huh? Try to cover up and tell the people go Brandon. We can no longer say Trump's the bad guy. If you vote for Trump, you're the bad guy. President is literally an existential threat to America for three reasons. One, uh, he is a genuine threat to uh, our uh, our core values. Politico reporting that during a meeting Tuesday, she was pressed by Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler to start impeachment proceedings. NBC News has learned from a congressional source in the room, Pelosi then said about the president, I don't want to see him impeached. I want to see him in prison. If you vote for Trump, then you, the voter, you, not Donald Trump, are standing at the border like Nazis. Trump and Osama bin Laden have a tremendous amount in common. And if you wondered about that, remember what happened in Charlottesville. I never thought I'd see that happen in my lifetime again. You had people come climbing out of the fields and from under rocks, carrying torches, contorted faces, chanting the same anti-Semitic bile that was chanted in Europe and in Germany in the 30s. Same exact language. Carrying, carrying Nazi flags, accompanied by white supremacists. Louis C.K. wrote this in an email to fans. Please stop it with voting for Trump. It was funny for a little while, but the guy is Hitler. So I had one of Hitler's speeches translated into English, and I think this tells us a lot about where Donald Trump is getting his ideas. I'm going to say one thing. F*** Trump. Well, I think you get the idea, do you not? So there you have comedians and congressmen and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden comparing Donald Trump to Adolf Hitler in no uncertain terms, Bill Maher doing much the same. And then, of course, you have Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro giving a speech on national television in which I bleeped it out. He says, F Trump. And yet we're supposed to believe and be told that somehow now, somehow now this is inappropriate. Somehow now saying, let's go Brandon, which is a placeholder for something much, well, more, uh, you know, inappropriate foul language, something more vulgar. Well, now suddenly this is just, we can't do this anymore in America. This is beneath us, the American people. Do you think that uh, De Niro uh, was criticized by the media for saying F Trump in front of a live national audience? Of course not. He was celebrated. You heard the applause in the room. Was Pelosi condemned for saying that she wanted Donald Trump to go to jail, not just be impeached? Or how about comparing Donald Trump to a terrorist, Osama bin Laden. Obviously, all ridiculous things that weren't true. But of course, it's Joe Biden who's actually creating a a terrorist crisis in places like Virginia because he's brought unvetted Afghans who are part of ISIS cells over here. You have the Democrat Party that is 
colluding with the National Teachers Board Association, with Merrick Garland, to label concerned parents domestic terrorists and to scare them, intimidate them by telling them that they will investigate them with the FBI if they so much as open their mouths and speak out against critical race theory, against harmful transgender policies. Who is it that is actually acting like Hitler? Who is it that gives speeches that actually sound Hitler-esque? It's not Donald Trump, and it was never Donald Trump. It was all a lie. But now, now all of a sudden, their sensibilities are offended when people say, let's go Brandon. They can't tolerate this because their strategy depends upon all of us being quiet, respectful, They've taken advantage of America and taken advantage of us because we on the right are principled individuals. We on the right are concerned about our families. We on the right are genteel. We on the right are polite, respectful. But respect be damned. Respect be gone. We are no longer. This is the new right. (coughs) Pardon me. This is the new right that actually stands up for America. This is the new right that does not accept a morality. This is the new right that represents and demands allegiance to the Constitution. This is the right that has a zero-tolerance policy for unlawfulness, for unconstitutionality, and for tyranny. We are tapping in to the spirit of America and our founding fathers who gifted us this inheritance And we are saying enough. We are saying we will be taken advantage of no more. And the Democrats hate that. They hate that. They know we have numbers. They know they can't defeat us if we stand together. And that's why they want to put an end to this now. Now, I don't know if you heard this story, by the way. Uh, Southwest Airlines pilot, as as he landed the plane and signed off, he said into the microphone, the intercom system there, let's go Brandon. And this, of course, is setting the left off. Of course, they're demanding that he be fired, terminated. But, you know, during the Trump years, imagine if a pilot on Southwest or any other airline had signed off and said, F Trump, or Trump's a Nazi, or impeach Trump, or Trump for prison. He would have been promoted. He would have been invited on every television show, every news program in the country to have a a soapbox to talk about how awful Trump was. They would celebrate this person as a hero. But because they can't take a taste of their own medicine, and that's what we have to keep giving them. Communists hate this, by the way. Communists hate being treated the way they treat us. And so we're just going to keep fighting back. Our voices of Let's Go Brandon are only going to grow and get louder. Do you see what's happening in this country, this movement against tyranny? It's actually working. It's actually working. Take comfort in that and be emboldened to join the movement if you haven't already. American Airlines canceled. I don't know what the number is. I thought I read something like a thousand, a thousand flights, but they've canceled a ton of flights and they're blaming it on what? Of course, wind or some crap like that. We know it's not the wind, but why would they say that? Why would they not announce the truth that they're having to cancel flights because their pilots, their staff, their stewardesses, in skirts and not in skirts, male and female, the two genders that exist, well, guess what? They're calling out. They're taking time off, just like what happened at Southwest Airlines. It's the freedom flu, it's been called. That's what's going around. We've all got the freedom flu. And the freedom flu says, let's go, Brandon. And so now American Airlines, Southwest started the movement, and American Airlines, those employees have been emboldened, and so they're refusing these vaccine mandates. And so now they have staffing issues and they're canceling flights. It's affecting regular, ordinary Americans. And this is the problem for the left. Real people are experiencing the pain. They're experiencing the repercussions and consequences of Democrat proposals and policies. And in general, uh, these types of policies, it's a slow boil, right? They turn the temperature up. And by the time you feel the consequences, it's too late. The policy's there. Obamacare's here. There's no going back. They fundamentally transformed. 
But they're having a problem in their final steps of fundamental transformation because the American people are feeling it right now before it's too late. And they want to hide the real reason. Because think about this. If the solution to this is to cancel the vaccine mandates, the Democrats lose. That's what they want to avoid at all costs. Because they're causing this problem to begin with. If these companies like American Airlines or Southwest didn't have, weren't following this unscientific totalitarian advice from the administration to require vaccines for your constitutional rights, require vaccines to have a job, well, guess what? You wouldn't have any of these problems. And so what they want to avoid is the solution that the American people arrive at is, hey, you know what? The government's responsible for this. This is the government's fault. This is Joe Biden, their administration, forcing this on us. They can't have that. So that's why they blame it on the wind. That's why they blame it on anything except the mandates. Because the Democrat Party's success depends upon creating problems and blaming someone else and then presenting themselves as the solution. But the American people are finally realizing that the Democrat Party and government are the problem. And that, that they can't have because that is their lifeblood. Their lifeblood depends upon pointing the finger elsewhere, escaping blame, escaping accountability, and stepping into the chaos they've created to pretend like they're going to solve it, that they are the solution. And the American people are seeing this happen and saying, the Biden administration is the problem. So that's where we are, folks. That's where we are. Now, over the weekend, to shift gears here, uh, Jin Psaki tested positive for COVID-19. Jin Psaki, a double vaccinated, quadruple probably boosted, boosted Psaki, tested positive for COVID. Not only did she test positive for COVID, get this, she actually is suffering mild symptoms. She has admitted But don't worry, don't worry. She ensures us that she's been triple masked, socially distanced, uh, and she's vaccinated. So nothing to worry about. She just has COVID despite taking all of the precautions. All the precautions were told prevent the spread of COVID. She did it all, and she has COVID-19. So anyway, but, you know, the reason I bring this up, it's no surprise now. We know that getting the vaccine, I, I mean, the vaccine... You know, I always struggle with this because I don't want to offend anyone, okay? But uh, this vaccine sucks. It sucks. Uh, No other vaccine in the world do you get, and then it doesn't create immunization. No other vaccine do you get, and then you get the virus. Then you get the disease. So this is an ineffective uh, vaccine. And again... The message from this should be the government should shut the hell up and we should uh, go about living our lives. And that's what we should be doing. But anyway, I bring up Jinsaki because I want you to remember when another press secretary, another press secretary who has since retired, uh, who worked for Donald Trump, her name was Kaylee McEnany, right? Remember her? Ah, don't you miss her? I mean, she was a beautiful woman, a conservative Republican, of course, because our women are always more beautiful than the ones on the left. That's that's undeniable. I don't know what it is about genes and looks and being conservative, but but we've got that on our side. Well, Kaylee, uh, you know, she before there was a vaccine. Well, she got covid, right? She got covid. Uh, There was no vaccine. Um, and the media had a little bit of a different response back then. I want to play first the response to Kaylee McEnany, uh, when she got COVID, what they had to say about her. And then I want you to hear how the news covers Jen Psaki's testing positive, despite being fully vaccinated. A little breaking news, not surprising news, but it's breaking. Kaylee McEnany has, uh tested positive for COVID. She's the uh, White House spokesperson. Not surprisingly. Not surprisingly to Whoopi Goldberg. What's the insinuation there, Whoopi? You know, the irony of this, of course, is that the ladies on The View, uh, moments before Kamala Harris was set to go on the show, well, The View girls, they tested positive for COVID despite their vaccination status. So 
It's not surprising at all to the girls on The View back then when McEnany got it because she's a, a Republican and Republicans are irresponsible and they don't mask and they get COVID and they're super spreaders and then they get the, the vaccine and they test positive despite it. But here's one more clip uh, to play as well about McEnany. McEnany routinely refused to wear a mask when talking to reporters even after the president himself got infected, like other high-ranking White House officials who also addressed the press in recent days without face covering. So, of course, McEnany, a Republican working for the Trump administration, well, she got COVID because it's not surprising because McEnany didn't wear a mask. She wasn't wearing a mask at all times for the cameras. Uh, she wasn't sleeping in a mask. She wasn't double masking. And so she got COVID and it's not surprising. It's her fault. We can expect all these Republicans to get COVID and die. All the Floridians are going to die. If global warming doesn't sink Florida, COVID's going to get Florida and wipe out the population first because they don't have mass mandates. They're going to just cease to exist. And of course, we know at present, by the way, here's an update. Florida has the lowest rates in the entire country. Whoa, how about that? Science, right? Science. Shouldn't Florida, shouldn't their population be down a couple hundred, well, <laughs> a couple million folks by now because they didn't wear masks enough? Anyway, so ludicrous. But now let's play how they react to a Democrat. A Democrat. The media is not biased at all, right? They don't have an agenda. They're just honest. They're just honest. CNN, NBC, all of them. You know, they just report the facts, the hard facts, the truth. They're not Democrat operatives. No, not at all. Let's listen and see. He says the last time she saw President Biden was on Tuesday, and they sat outside more than six feet apart and wore masks. Oh, well, hold on a second. Hold, hold the hold. Let, we got, whoa. Did you, did you just hear that? Did you hear that? That should be the news story making its way around the country. No, 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 no. I, we'll get to, to the fact that they make an excuse and, and just say, oh, this just happens. You know, she did everything she could. She was mad. We'll get to that in a second. No, no. Did you hear the first part? Or was it just my ears? Did she say that Jin Saki has said that the last time she spoke and was around the president of the United States was on Tuesday? He didn't leave for his European vacation until... Uh, Thursday, remember he hung around Thursday, last Thursday, delayed his flight to Rome to poop his pants in the presence of the Pope. He delayed that poop trip, um, uh, in, in order to go and try and wrangle the Democrats together to get them to send him that infrastructure bill and to get them to sign off on the, uh, the upcoming destroy America bill. So this is an interesting, right? She doesn't have contact. She doesn't have daily contact with the president of the United States. So Tuesday uh, and then Wednesday, she goes without seeing him. Thursday, she doesn't go with, with seeing him. No wonder she has no idea what's going on. She has to circle back. He doesn't know what's going on. And she doesn't even have enough contact with him for him to tell her that he doesn't know what's going on. So she really is in a pickle, is she not? Kaylee Mackin, and he talked about how uh, you know, she had a revolving door, an open door policy with President Trump. She could go in and ask him questions every day and get his feedback before she faced the wolves, the Marxists that were going to pepper her with questions. Gosh, I miss her. She was so good. She never had to circle back. She was so brainy, so intelligent, so nice to look at, too. Uh, and, and her hair, I think, was 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 a little bit more natural than this um, this uh, carrot top. But anyway, but then, of course, we get to the second part, and that's the fact that this gal, I think this is on MSNBC, and I got to tell you, they're doing a hiring quota over there for sure. Um, it is They are not choosing people and selecting anchors based on talent. I'm going to get in trouble here. I know it. But I'm just saying, you heard that, that reporter. Listen to the pizzazz I got right now, and I understand the anchor situation is different, but you know, if I was to put on my anchor voice, I'd say, Jin Saki, we've got breaking news here, folks, Jin Saki. Uh, has tested positive for COVID. Now, we are assured that Jin Saki was masked and socially distanced at all times. That's how you might report the news. But this gal, Jin Saki, has tested positive for COVID. And she does assure us that, I mean, these people are robots. They're untalented. They're not qualified for these positions. But that's what you have over at MSNBC. And that's why their ratings are tanking. 
That's why all of these ratings are tanking, tanking at these places. It's not talent first. They're not watchable. I mean, look at little Brian Stelter, little Muffin Stelter. Um, I mean, that guy, I, he looks 50. You know, he's younger than I am. I'm 34. I think he's young. I'm pretty sure he's in his earlier 30s still. And that guy, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'll stop being mean. But anyway, so there you have a juxtaposition of the coverage of those two individuals. So when Kaylee McEnany tests positive for COVID, it's not surprising because she doesn't wear a mask. Is it not more surprising, though, for someone to be double vaccinated and probably have her booster shot? But regardless, a fully vaccinated press secretary who wears a mask and socially distances, isn't it more surprising that she would test positive for COVID? That seems really surprising to me. I mean, when, when, when early on in the pandemic, you know, the mask was the key to safety. You know, when, when, when McEnany gets COVID, oh, it's not surprising because she didn't do any of the things that we say. It's not surprising. Well, why can't the media say they're shocked, they're shook, they're shook, shooketh that uh, Jin Psaki's tested positive? Why can't they say they're shocked that Colin Powell died from COVID? This is such a joke and such a scam. She gets a pass because she's a Democrat. I mean, this is the thing. We're living, I mean, they, they are painting a fake false reality. I'm not going to have time to get into all the voting stuff, actually. But um, as we close out here, you know, what do you think is going to happen on Tuesday night? Do you think that maybe the counting will stop? I don't know. Do you think? But do, let me ask you this. If Yunkin pulls ahead, do you think that they'll call it for Yunkin before all of the votes are brought in? Like they did, for example, for Gavin Newsom. They called it immediately. Immediately on the night of the election, they said, up, oh, Gavin Newsom's won. And then it took a week to bring in the rest of the votes. Do you think they'll call it for Yunkin or do you think they'll wait? More importantly, when Yunkin is declared victor, do you think that Terry McAuliffe will admit his defeat? Will he concede? No, no, boy, you better believe he's not going to concede. That's why they hired Mark Elias. See, I'm coming full circle, baby. Full circle from an hour ago. I promised you full circling and I am full circling. Because I got more brain cells than Jin Psaki, Joe Biden, and AOC put together, folks. That's me. So anyway, so Mark Elias, he is on the scene. He's working behind the scenes now uh, vigorously to mount challenges in the event that his guy, Terry McAuliffe, does not win. So you will not see concession. But I... I of course, you know, we know Terry McAuliffe wouldn't concede. But of course, if Yunkin su- suspects any kind of shenanigans, well, guess what? It won't matter. He'll be accused of, uh, you know, threatening democracy. He'll be told he's being irresponsible to accept his defeat immediately. And this is why I'll never be a Democrat. Why I'll never respect any Democrat and even Democrat voters. You have Stacey Abrams who continues to, to believe that she should be the governor the governor of Georgia. She continues to hold that. Same as Hillary Clinton, 2016. There were shenanigans. The Russians stole it. I should be president. They make these claims. The Democrats don't utter a word. But Donald Trump, any Republican, oh, they're evil. They're Hitler. They're threatening democracy as we know it. No, no, the Democrats are an absolute joke. How anyone can continue to claim allegiance to that party at this point, unbelievable. But I will say this about the Republicans. Uh, There is word that the GOP leadership, uh, I guess via the RNC, uh, those individuals in leadership, well, they are not supportive of Glenn Youngkin preparing for any legal challenges whatsoever. And this tells you everything you need to know about the Republicans. They're actually not interested in victory. The Republican Party as a whole, we got work to do. Because if, if we had a Republican Party that had any decency and common sense and actually wanted to win and cared about this republic and this, our democracy and this nation and free and fair elections, they would have already put an army of lawyers, paid for an army of lawyers to be there on the ground as opposition to Mark Elias. Because the Democrats are already prepared to bring forward legal challenges because they play to win. 
But the Republicans? No, they're not playing to win. And that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Why is the Republican Party not playing to win? Why are these rhinos not interested in winning? Strange, strange, strange. But anyway, this is Drew Allen. Thank you for listening. We're going to go out with a little Let's Go Brandon chant. I want you to hear more of that because, uh, hey, that's the song of the times. Let's Go Brandon. We know what they saying, though. You can hear the chant in every post. Don't nobody want this commie because we not in China. Everybody hated Trump and now they out to catch a body. That's what they get for treating us like we in square games. Green light mandate like he's insane. These times people waking up to everything. Go Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go, Brandon.